Welcome to this week's episode. Today's show is about research. Our guest is Rachel Cronenfeld from the Hetherington Group. Rachel is the manager of investigations for HG and also is one of their teachers. She brings some great research tips to our listeners. This episode is brought to you by Crosstracks Case Management Software. Crosstracks now offers CTX Vision, a fully integrated video conferencing platform built into Crosstracks. The videos you host go directly into your video tab. Crosstracks also integrates with programs you already use like QuickBooks, DelphPoint, ScopeNow, Investigation Video Editor, Word, and more. The integrations combined with powerful features such as automated audio transcription and report generation help investigators generate revenue and improve efficiency. The system can be customized for any investigative specialty. Start your free trial today at crosstracks.co and use promo code PIP20. Check out the new issue of PI Magazine. Make sure you visit PIMagazine.com for details. Check out our very own match columns on Podcasting 101 and PI Perspectives. Hey, come, 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 come close, come close, come close. Listen, listen. Are you ready for a major announcement next week regarding investigators-toolbox.com? Huh? Huh? If you don't subscribe, you might not find out. Get ready for a major announcement next week regarding investigators-toolbox.com. Rachel Cronenfeld is under the magnifying glass today and is welcomed by our host, private investigator, Matt Spare. And welcome everybody to this week's episode of PI Perspectives. This is your host, Matt Spare. So today I have a, a great guest, somebody who actually had a chance to present at a conference or at the end of last year. And I was blown away by her, um, by her material and just uh, the way that she taught her particular segment. I said, okay, I got to have her on one day. And uh, here we are today. Today is the day that we're welcoming Rachel Cronenfeld from the Hetherington Group to the program. Rachel, how are you? I'm doing well. Thank you. How are you? Good, good. Thank you for taking the time and coming on here. You guys are out in New Jersey, a hop, skipping the jump from New York for me. But uh, tell me, what's going on with uh, COVID-19 and uh, how are you guys handling uh, the flow of business? And uh, are things picking up for you or getting a little crazy? What's what's going on in New Jersey? Oh, sure. So uh, in New Jersey, uh, Murphy is taking things pretty seriously. So uh, we're wearing masks indoors. Uh, we work for a small company. So we've actually been rotating in and out of the office, making sure that we're keeping our distance. But uh, I think the majority of companies here in New Jersey are still uh, work from home. I guess a lot of what, what you guys do is pretty much, you know, you're in front of a computer, not necessarily running out and meeting with people. So the ability to work from home has got to be... Uh much easier, right? Definitely. Yeah. We can take our job anywhere really. And, uh, working at home has, uh, really been working out very well for our analyst team. So it just, uh, proves even more that, you know, when things do hopefully go back to normal, uh, that work from home, I think will be a lot more frequent for everyone. Right. Right. I'm okay with that. You know, as long as the work gets done, I don't mind where, you know, the folks that work for me. I don't even mind the schedules they do. And, and you know, it's interesting being a business owner and uh, being able to wrap your mind around the fact that uh, nine to five is dead. Like that 40 hour week is dead. And, yeah. and you know, you find good employees, uh, people that you can trust by, when you can give them the responsibility to do the work on their own at their own pace and all, in their own time, you get a better quality of, of work. So it's like um, my, my operations manager, you know, I, if I was to like, 
have a GPS tracker on her, be all like all up on her business, I, w- I would probably lose my mind <laughs> because it's like, what are you doing? Why are you not at work? Why are you not doing this? But being able to let that go and just have peace with it, it's fantastic. I love it. So I hope that you uh, are able to uh, continue to do that uh, at-home work uh, work thing. It definitely, it's, it's beneficial for everybody. So tell me, you guys have a big, uh, interesting mix of clientele. You've done you, you do some work uh, with government contracts, I believe, um, and also private industry and, and big business. So how has the shutdown affected your business flow and what are you seeing now? Yeah, so uh, we are quite busy uh, supporting all of our existing clients and then also having some reach outs from some new clients that are needing our help. Uh, so we do a lot of risk-based work, uh, whether it's risk assessments on a company or an executive, as well as risk monitoring, where we're listening to social media, chat rooms, blogs, forums for any negative chatter or threats to whether it be a company, a person, or maybe an office building. And we've had a lot of that pick up as people are away from their office and there's less security there on the campus. We've had a lot of incidents where people are showing up at the offices and protests to vandalize uh, and uh, kind of getting away with things a little more than they would uh, typically. Right. Uh, we're having uh, scares for CEOs at home who are working at home where their addresses can easily be looked up online. Uh, that definitely poses a concern. Instead of a uh, bad actor showing up at the headquarters, they are actually showing up at their person's residential address where they know they're going to be right now yeah, uh, so yeah things like that I mean, definitely uh, the threats have picked up even more so during covid and another aspect is uh, people are very uh, feeling uh, arrested and uh, agitated yeah. uh, maybe with their employers for the way that they're handling covid right. uh, so we've seen a lot of uh, disgruntled employees as well taking that out on social media yeah there's just a lot of angry people out there man it's uh very very crazy to see i mean especially in new york um yeah, the protesting and just the, the destruction of property. And, um, you know, I, I have a, an attorney client of mine that uh, he actually lives um, on four, uh, 34th Street. And we were having a conversation the other day about uh, what it was like when the first couple nights of the, the protests and uh, how much destruction there was actually on 34th Street right in Manhattan. He's like, you would not believe what it looked like. <laughs> you know, it's uh, it's crazy. They're very interesting times we, uh, look, we're living in. And uh, there really is a need for the type of services that we provide, whether it be online research or, you know, bodyguard security. I know uh, companies that, that offer that type of service uh, have definitely seen an uptick in, in business, right? And mm-hmm. I think the investigation companies that have pulled through this, uh, have, you know, really learned how to pivot and, uh, make sure they offer, you know, particular services. I know I had, uh, Nick Hemanitis on a couple of weeks ago and he was talking about, uh, building networks and doing network security for executives that were working from home, you know, making sure mm-hmm. that, you know, as they're logging into their, their company servers from home that, uh, you know, they're protected on their end. Um, you know, that was a lot of work that, uh, that they picked up. So, It's been really, uh, really interesting. So tell me a little bit about your background. Like, how did you get into this business and how long have you been working um, with the Hetherington Group? Sure. So my education is actually in political science. Uh, That stemmed from really being quite unsure uh, throughout my early education what I wanted to do. 
And I do not regret that whatsoever. I think it was a great education uh, to learn about you know, how our country works and our politics. And, you know, politics are more prominent than ever right now. Right. So uh, really glad that I got that education. But after that, um, I did do some work for the Regional Operations Intelligence Center, uh, which is a fusion center for the New Jersey State Police. Okay. And uh, there it was very, very interesting because I got to work with pretty much uh, well, New Jersey State Police, as well as every government agency, pretty much besides the CIA that was there uh, in the Fusion Center on a daily basis. And I, I really, really liked that experience. Uh, I did move on to be a paralegal uh, afterwards. Uh, that, that was my first you know, full full time job. And uh, that really stemmed from political science. A lot of people in poli sci end up moving into the legal field or right. into politics directly. That makes sense. Uh, yeah. So, but I missed the analytical work that I was doing at the fusion center. So I really found Cynthia uh, is quite ironic. I was living five minutes down the road from the office uh, and it was a temporary living situation actually. Uh, but at the time I decided I was going to look for a career jump and I started just using keywords, uh, you know, like we would in uh, any case and right. uh, searching analysts, research positions. And I will never forget. I was just so shocked when I found investigative analyst position uh, at the Hetherington Group five minutes down the road from me and I just loved everything about it and I have never tried so hard for a job application right. in my life right. and uh, now I'm never going back this is uh, absolutely my career love working for Cynthia and yeah. the Hetherington Group so yeah. how long has uh, have you been with him four years actually okay so one of the things that you're doing now too is you're you're actually um, instructing, right? Uh, you're you're giving classes and you're doing things. How how did you uh, get get into doing that? And how long have you been uh, a presenter? Yeah, so I'm the manager of investigations uh, for the Hatherington Group, but I am also a trainer. Um, that really came from uh, having a great mentor as a boss. Uh, Cynthia is amazing. Uh, I'm very lucky to be working for her, and she has just taught me so much uh, in the industry. Uh, she actually encouraged and supported me to do public speaking and right. uh, thought, you know, I had plenty of content to share. I work casework every day of my life. Uh, so uh, once I kind of you know, got over that hump, then I realized that I really enjoyed it. Uh, I've always enjoyed sharing the knowledge that I know with other people and, and helping them do better at, right. at what they do. So uh, I definitely developed a passion for it as I started doing it. I've been doing uh, webinars and occasional seminars uh, and speaking engagements uh, for about two years now. Great. You know, one of the things that, that I love about um, about you you and, and the teaching that you're doing, is you have definitely developed your own style. You know, you, you're like you're talking about how, you know, Cynthia has uh, mentored you and, and kind of taught you how to do this stuff, but you really developed your own voice. And that was one of the things that I noticed um, when I uh, sat in on your presentation was like, wow, okay. So she's, she's teaching a lot of the things that maybe Cynthia would, would teach, but she's got her own style of doing things. And I was so impressed um, by your presentation. I thought you did a fantastic job and you really um, covered and, and I felt like I left that presentation knowing how to do something I didn't know how to do. And I, I think if you can accomplish that goal, that's 95% of the goal, right? Um, have oh, have yeah. your, your people leave understanding and knowing how to do something is really, really important. 
Yeah, I 100% agree. And thank you so much. Uh, Cynthia and I definitely talk about our different styles. And uh, Cynthia has you know 20 plus years experience, right? So she has all of the really great stories that everyone wants to hear from those 20 years of you know experience. Uh, I'm more about you know content delivery. Right. I have just so much to share with everyone and I only have an hour or half day, however long it is. So right. I just want to get you as much as you can take away with. So you're, you're like the regular Joe Friday, right? Just the facts. Yeah. <laughs> Stick to the facts. Yeah. That, that tends to be my style. Yeah. <laughs> there you go. Nothing wrong with that. Well, speaking of, um, of training and teaching how to do things and, and, and talking about stories, cause you do have a few stories too. Um, we're going to take a break and when we come back in, we're going to really, um, just start digging into the, the research, um, topics and how to, how to really do uh, some different types of searches. And then we'll talk about some of your experiences too. So everybody sit tight and we will be right back. This episode is sponsored by scope. Now, have you tried scope now 3.0 yet? Scope now offers a state of the art platform with the power and speed of automated intelligence. Visit scopenow.com for more details. Use code PIP20 to receive additional benefits. Hey, check out the PI Institute of Education at piinstitute.com. Since 1989, Kelly Riddle has been teaching on subjects such as surveillance, nursing home investigations, insurance fraud, domestic investigations, hidden assets, and accident scene investigations. Check out the site today and brush up on your skills. And welcome back, everybody. Uh, we're here on BI Perspectives. We are uh, talking to Rachel Cronenfeld from the Hetherington Group. Uh, Rachel, welcome back to the program. Thank you. Before we dropped out, we were talking about training. We were talking about uh, teaching folks how to do things. So uh, where do we begin? What do you, what do you want to jump in with? Um, I'm, I'm giving the floor here to talk about maybe some tips and some things that uh, our listeners can, uh, maybe they don't know how to do. So uh, what, what do you got? Sure. Uh, so I'll keep my tips more general, uh, something you could take with you with every single case that you're doing. And as you learn new things over time, that could apply to all. Uh, so I'll, I'll be more general. Uh, my first tip for everyone is uh, keeping up with the latest tools is definitely important. But as you may, you may have seen, tools come and go over time. Right. Uh, so just understanding the fundamentals of research is just as important as those are never going to change. You know, you, the tools, toolbox you use, you know, might change and you need to keep up with that. But the core fundamentals of the research uh, will just continue to stay with you uh, throughout your process. That's a great point. Yeah, that's definitely very true. Also, documenting process and detail uh, when you're conducting research. So being a manager, I manage a, a small analyst team, and I've trained actually five new analysts uh, in my time working with Cynthia. And uh, something that I've noticed each time is that a new analyst is always struggling most with documenting what they didn't find. So uh, I'll just, a uh, research tip is to, as you're going through a case, document everything in detail, even if it's in your own words at first, 
then afterwards you can go back, adjust it, put it into a template, write it up for the client. Right. Uh, but that way, if you don't end up finding results, you're not handing your client a blank piece of paper or a blanket email just saying, you know, we didn't find anything right. and then charging them hundreds of dollars. Right. Uh, so getting in that habit is really important, I think. You bring up a real good point, right? So you, you never want your client to feel buyer's remorse. Right. It's like, wow, you know, I'm paying for your expertise, you know, the 20 plus years of, of your research capability that you have, I'm paying a steep price for that. Now show me what I'm getting for my money. Um, exactly. I think that's great. And, and I have subcontracted work to your firm. And that is definitely one of the things that I noticed when I got the report back was that there was this methodical, um, you know, list of, of, what was checked and how, you know, where, what it was done. And, and you're basically retraced the steps. I was like, wow, this is, this is really good detail. Um, and if you ever need to go testify, I mean, very easy to retrace your steps and, and talk about exactly. what you did. Right. So that's, that's mm -hmm. a really great tip. Yeah. Just one more I'd share is uh, for when, when you're doing work, uh, because especially if, if you're working for a busy company and time is really of essence, I know everybody could use more time, uh, you want to be most efficient when working a case. So just a general tip. If you get stuck on something, if you're going kind of down a rabbit hole in a case you're working and you're, you find you're spending quite a lot of time trying to find the answer to one particular part of the research, uh, I recommend taking a step back and just asking yourself if that is ultimately going to be important to the end goal of the research. Is this going to lead to a key finding in the case? If the answer is no, then put it aside, move on, finish the rest of the case, and you could always come back to it later. And I've, I've noticed over time that the work flows a lot more efficiently that way, and you don't end up losing track of your own time that you're billing on. Right. Right. And, you know, maybe that thing you're, you're hung up on and you're, you're struggling with is, is not the answer. Right. And if you spend all your resources and time <laughs> banging your mm -hmm. head against the wall and really, uh, you know, you, the answer is fingertips away. If you just move on, <laughs> you know, that's yeah. probably a good point. Right. <laughs> Consider all possibilities and then whittle it down, I think is probably a good way to go. And just taking a look at, uh, at everything. And, you know, th th it is a balance. Right. I think you bring up a good point. Right. You know, how much is enough time? You know, wh what is the standard practice and procedure? What is acceptable? As far as, um, you know, me saying, okay, well, there's no, you know, this lead is dead, right? Mm -hmm. What do you have to do to, to make sure that that lead is, is dead, right? How much really research and evidence, you know, how far down the rabbit hole, right, that you need to go before you can say, okay, now it's time to come up and look somewhere else. So that, I think, comes with experience, right? Just learning when to cut the uh, cut bait and move on, right? I, yeah, I definitely, I agree. And you know, it's always an option as well. I know in our report style, we always have a recommended next steps for our clients right. where we'll make recommendations as to what they could do in phase two or additional research that should be done that maybe you just simply didn't have time for. Or it's right. a bit out of the scope of what they asked to do. And then you just kindly ask for some more budget if yeah. they would like to you know, go down that road. You know, and, and I think a lot of times you can, you can get that extra budget if you've shown your steps, mm -hmm. right? So mm -hmm. if, and if you, you know, you can, you can lay that foundation of like, Hey, like there's a pretty good chance we're going to get what we need to get, but you know, we've run through <laughs> the money that you laid out for this or, or the resources that we, that we have for this. We need more, but here's why we need more. The odds of you getting what you need are that much better, right? Mm-hmm. 
Is there anything else that, that you can um, think of uh, just off the, the top of your head here as far as uh, quick tips? Oh, boy, I have so many. <laughs> <laughs> give me two more. Okay, maybe, <laughs> give maybe. me two more and then we'll move on. I'll, I'll give you one more. Okay, uh, one more. So Fair enough. always verify information from the source itself, a primary over secondary research. More than ever, we're seeing that now with COVID, with these protests. Uh, there's so much misinformation out there or even just pre this any third party website uh, that has you know questionable credibility you always want to kind of take whatever you're finding and verify it at the source wherever and whenever possible right well, that's that's a good point it's definitely a good point I, I think you're right with uh, you know just the anger and hatred getting back to what we were talking about in the beginning that's out there you know th- there is a lot of information a lot of people that are um, just regurgitating uh, false truth. Uh, because it sounded good. Uh, so, you know, investigators are, are needed now more than ever to just uh, cut through the, the nonsense and the, the white noise and just really figure it out, right? Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, so give, give me some examples, some um, cases that you worked on. Tell me about something that you, maybe you thought it was going to go one way and it ended up going completely different um, from what, what you first thought was going to happen. Hmm. Um, sure. Uh, something that turned out differently. So I was uh, working on a fraud case. It's one of my favorite cases. Uh, I call it the vacation rental scam case. Uh, so someone was uh, scamming people out of a vacation home, one of those uh, short-term rentals, like an sure. Airbnb. Yep. And uh, a client came to us, a law firm, uh, looking to, I had a suspect in mind and they said, you know, look into the suspect, please. We think they're the person that's doing the scamming. So I agreed from their initial research that, you know, something was up here. So I knew I was going to kind of go down one route looking at him and find uh, some leads to support their their case. But uh, what I ended up finding was actually so much more. So it, it didn't go as I thought, but it actually went in my favor. So he had a complete alias uh, persona online. He had two different names, two different usernames, two different social platforms on every platform that there is. Uh, and he was two different people essentially wow. online. He had he said he had different education, different employment, uh, and it was so detailed and and just thought out and such a present profile online in both sides but uh, what was ironic about that case was uh he used the same photo of himself for everything so (laughs) that's how i was able to tell that he was the same person because different names different background but same picture so yeah that's one of my favorite cases i found so much supporting uh, supporting evidence online uh, that really just kind of one of those that you tie up with a bow and give to your client. Like, yeah, it's one of those you'll never believe this, right? Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's always like you, you. Sometimes you finish those investigations and you're like, okay, this is one for the book I'm going to write one day. <laughs> I'm just going to put it in this file and it'll come back and uh, we'll we'll revisit that one day. Tell me a situation where you got to a point where you had a thread to pull. And when you pulled that thread, uh, it really opened up and just opened to uh, just a lot more information, a lot more doors. And and where where you felt like your training and that background really benefited um, your research. 
Oh, sure. So um, with that particular case, it was a, a matter of uh, searching for all different possible usernames based on email addresses. Um, so that's common practice. Any possible emails that you have for somebody that you're pulling through uh, reports like TLO or Clear or any of those you might use, I always run those beginnings of emails as possible usernames. Right. That's ended up, that led me to what was both of his profiles because he had a lot of different emails with a lot of different potential usernames right. and they led me to, to two different people that ended up being the same people. Uh, in that case, I remember that being the door opener that really led to all of the other findings throughout the case because it opened up his other, his other profiles. Right. You know, if, if I didn't find that, then I probably would have looked, been looking at one person the whole time. Uh, so that was pretty a pivotal point. Who are the, um, who are the people that you lean on when you're getting stuck? Who, who do you go to when you can't figure something out? I go to my team. I, you know, I train them, but they're also very talented. And uh, especially Anya. Anya is our risk manager uh, at the company. And I, I always find myself going to her for a uh, different perspective on something uh, just to brain check me. And uh, we work really well together and just kind of like feed ideas off of each other. And uh, there's definitely been plenty of times where we'll both end up solving another one's problems by right. just kind of talking out the case. Yeah. I think that's, that's a good point. That's important to talk about. Right. Cause even, you know, um, I mean, I, I have people that work in house for me and I have people that are, are, you know, trusted contractors and, and, you know, people that are, that are other investigators that I know that I trust. And, uh, you know, it, it, I have bumped, uh, ideas off of, I know like my mentor doesn't even live in the same state that I live in. Right. You know, he used to be in New York, but now he's in Pennsylvania. Mm-hmm. And, uh, there are times where, you know, I'll call him and be like, Hey, um, I'm struggling with this or this doesn't make sense. What would you recommend, man? Any other ideas? And, um, you know, he's been very helpful. But like the, um, I, I think I, I, I realized that I made it and I'm actually like kind of good at what I do or, or, or good enough at what I do. When your mentor calls you up and says, hey, I'm struggling with this. Uh, I'm not quite sure how to do. What would you do on this? Right. I think when you get that, mm-hmm. you know, you, you've come from full circle. Right. Yeah. Uh, the student mm-hmm. is now the teacher. <laughs> so it's, it's cool. But I think it's really important to be able to do that. And that's why events like uh, as, osmosis, I, I think, are great. Right. Because you are meeting like minded people, people that like to problem solve and people that really take research to heart. Having that in person contact and conversation, building that relationship, it's that much easier to reach out to that person and, and run something past them and say, hey, what, what would you what would you do here? Because you, you've essentially done life together with them for a few days, right? So you have that, um, that relationship or, or maybe you've, you've watched them teach and you're like, wow, I know this person knows what they're talking about. I'm going to, uh, I'm going to give them my, uh, my business card and, uh, reach out to them. Definitely. Yeah. When you, it's just as important to outside network as it is to, you know, speak with your internal employees as well right. and, and get their opinions. Of, and then you meet people, like you said, that specialize in certain things. And when a case comes your way and sitting on your desk, you instantly a name comes to mind. You, you just know that you met an expert in this. And and if you have any questions at all, they're, they're the it person for that right. particular topic. So it's really helpful to meet those people and uh, have them in your network and be able to reach out. Yeah, I'll, I'll tell you a funny story real quick. So I um, had the privilege to teach to um, Cali a couple of years ago. I think it was about two years ago. 
Wow, it's actually two years now. So they asked me to go out and teach, and I was like, oh, California, absolutely. I would love to go to California to go teach a, uh, a class to, uh, to investigators there. They're like, all right, we'll send you the information. Um, by the way, it's in Las Vegas. I was like, oh, man. <laughs> it's like my third or fourth year in a row going to Las Vegas. <laughs> I was like, yay, Vegas again. But the point I wanted to make here is, you know, I there were tons of investigators there. I just didn't know, right? So it was a new opportunity for me. But what was funny is that the keynote speaker, the the, the head muckety-muck that was coming in to talk during lunch and, and you know, give their presentation was a guy who was involved with uh, O.J. Simpson. And um, not the Nicole Brown incident, but the incident with uh, with the gambling and the gun and, and uh, you know, uh, him, him, what he ultimately went to jail for. Really interesting presentation. So I remember when the guy was on his way out, I chatted with him for maybe about 30, 45 seconds, right? I gave him the old, uh, here's my card, here's what I do, blah, 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 blah. Do you know that that guy called me literally like maybe four months ago? And he's like, wow. hey, I remember you. We had that conversation. You're the, you're the guy that does like the, the uh, geofencing, the social uh, media uh, fencing stuff, because that's what I was yep. teaching about, right? I was you're like, yeah. <laughs> and I was like, wow, you actually remembered me. He's like, yeah, I'd like to hire you for something. So like he hired me to work on one of his cases. And it's so bizarre that I met him you know, at that point about a year and a half uh, earlier and literally 45 seconds that I chatted with him and gave him my card and the guy, it, like I made an impression on it. He remembered. So you just never know, like those, those opportunities are, um, are, are there, you know, it's why you got to go to these events, right. And you gotta, you gotta actually, um, participate in them. Right. So not mm-hmm. only go, but actually chat with people and don't just sit there, eat your lunch and, and things, uh, things like that. So you have been heavily involved with the osmosis program as well. Right. So, Every year we uh, we go somewhere in the country where it's warm, preferably to uh, to get together and learn. What has been your role in osmosis, and uh, how has it changed over the years? My role in osmosis has uh, been uh, to support the uh, vendors and speakers, uh, primarily. So uh, with the vendors, uh, I use really all of their products in house. Uh, so right. I'm close with them to begin with, and I'm always happy when they end up coming to the conference. Uh, but I make sure that the vendors are, are all set up and uh, that they're taken care of and, and have uh, time to interact with all of the attendees. And I also am responsible for uh, looking at all of the speaker slide decks that come through. Right. Uh, so we look through the content to make sure that, you know, it's not uh, repeating. And so everybody's uh, course is unique and touching upon a different topic. Uh, so I, I do a lot of that uh, research to get like a broad uh, array of different vendors and speaker topics. Uh, as a team, really, we, we all pick the speakers uh, that get selected, the main speakers. So right. we've had so many applications come through uh, for this year's osmosis. It was really difficult. We, right. I think we made probably eight different piles and wow. it was just really difficult to, you know, okay, one pile has got to go. We have to narrow it down because there can only be eight speakers. Right. So, well, I, I tell you, you know, being the the uh, the shoe on the other foot, right? The the person who was who's submitted and got through the phase but didn't actually make it. I think it was a couple of years ago. I I thrown in an app application, and I think I I, I made it through a couple of piles, but ultimately it didn't happen. As somebody who's who's um, submitted something, like not being offended by that and not being like, oh, well, forget these people. I'm going to take my smarts elsewhere, like not having that Mm -hmm. attitude and Mm -hmm. understanding how difficult it is 
for you and your team to go through and select who's going to get the call here uh, for things. And it's just, you know, consistency. The product mm-hmm. is consistent. Every every speaker that's that speaks there, it's always it's the best of the best. It's top level. It's good information. It's vetted. It's just such a great event. And I know you guys are, are offering it virtually this year. So tell me a little bit about that. Yes. So uh, we wasted no time preparing to go virtual. Uh, we were hoping it was going to be in person and virtual, but, you know, unfortunately, situations out of our control. Right. We are fully planned uh, to take it all virtual, actually going live uh, this week. And uh, we're going to host it on a platform called Cyber Social Hub, uh, which is actually looking like a lot of your investigators toolbox, Matt. Right. So, uh, Hey, that's another show for another day. <laughs> yeah, right? So, uh, yeah, it's, it's very user-friendly, uh, engaging platform where we'll be able to host the whole conference live. You'll be able to pop into different vendors throughout the way. If you want to get a demo from them or discuss something with them, the speaker sessions are also going to get recorded. So if you actually can't attend live, uh, you'll be able to watch everything you know, afterwards. There'll be forums on there where people can start conversations about different topics or maybe right. some cocktails, you know, trying to bring everything that would typically be in BYOB, <laughs> B-Y-O-B. Yes, <laughs> to the virtual conference. So, yeah, uh, we're trying to keep the same the same vibe of right. the conference, but just taking it virtual. So. Uh, that's cool. We got to pivot, right? As an industry, <laughs> we got to pivot. It is what it is. You make a good point, right? So it's not for the lack of you wanting to do it. I mean, literally, I think it was the uh, the venue was like, uh, yeah, you can only have a hundred people here for your event. It's like, well, that's not mm-hmm. going to work, <laughs> you know. Mm-hmm. So um, yeah, that's. Uh, I'm excited. I'm excited to see how it how it's all going to turn out and. You know, leading up to it, we're um, the show itself. We're, we're going to start doing some extra content and feature a bunch of the speakers and just give them, you know, fifteen or twenty minutes a week to um, to talk about what they're what they're going to be talking about. And I'm excited to actually lead into it um, and and be a part of it. You know, it's uh, it's a huge honor actually to be a part of uh, part of that stuff. And uh, I, I've been going to Osmosis for a couple of years, and it's always a, a joke between Paul and I because when when they have the event and they say, okay, we're, we're ready to take people to register for the following year. I am always number one. Like that is my <laughs> thing. Like I run right over there. I'm like, I'll take my ticket. <laughs> so, I believe I, yeah. I gave you the early bird special one year. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah I'm, I am always number one. So it's like, I know I'm going to be there. So why don't I just go get my ticket now? Yeah. And now to be a part of, uh, you know, part of the, pomp and circumstance leading up to it is, is pretty cool too. It's an, it's an honor. And I, I've done the bits and bites too, which by the way, that is awesome and very uh, horrifying at the same time <laughs> to do bits and bites. Yeah, yeah, those are so much fun. And yeah. you know what? We're not losing that either for anyone that's been to the conference that's listening. Bits and Bites is going to get incorporated into actually the breaks between the main speakers. That's so, so cool. Right, yeah, right after a main speaker goes, you're going to get a little tidbit from somebody and then pop right into the next speaker. Yeah, that's that's really great. So just for the folks who don't know, so the bits and bytes section is pretty much speed dating for investigators. Um, you guys would have 10 tables set up and uh, we each had, I think, five minutes to talk about whatever our topic was to a group of about, I don't know, about 10 people. And then, you know, once your five minutes was up, everybody gets up and they move to another table. They can go to whatever table they want to go. So it's like, 
you're talking about your topic and you're like, okay, is, is anybody going to be interested in what I'm talking about? Or who's coming over to my table? Like, Hey, like you, you make eye contact, like, Hey, come on over here and sit down and bring a few people with you. I, I want people to see other people here sitting, you know, making sure it's interesting. And it's, uh, again, it's horrifying and, and very exhilarating at the same time. I really enjoyed doing it. It was, uh, it was a big challenge. I think we're going to wrap up here. We're just, uh, you know, doing our pitch here for, uh, for osmosis, but, um, I, I really did want to have you on and I wanted to talk about, um, you know, just your research and the things that you do, because I think you're really awesome at what you do, not only from the presentation, but actually the work product I've had in my hand, the work I've, I've farmed out to you guys. So before we wrap up here, tell me like the, the type of investigator that maybe reaches out to you guys to loop you in on some cases they're, they're working on. What does that typically look like? Uh, sure. So, uh, investigator to investigator, usually uh, people would come to us if they needed a, a what we call a cyber investigation, uh, whether it's social media or IP lookups, email traces, anything like that, uh, as well as coming to us for assistance with a background investigation or due diligence because we do have a really big arsenal of databases here in-house. So right. uh, if they don't have access to a particular database or maybe the person is even out of the co- country and right. like Russia or Canada. Uh, we have access to, to those resources as well. So investigator to investigator, that's a lot of the type of casework we get. Right. I'd say our main clientele though is corporate security directors uh, or similar. So they'll reach out to us. We support corporate security at large corporations in many different ways, really with ad hoc investigations or uh, ongoing engagements that are more that risk-based, like risk monitoring, risk assessment work that I was talking about before. And right. uh, that's really the bulk of our work right now. I actually want to share if I have a moment, yeah, sure, go uh, kind of a, a success story about this risk work that we do. So the risk assessments are essentially a, an outline of someone's digital footprint online. But the kind of the fun part is you only use open source intelligence and you know, public records, social media. Uh, you're not going to be using our private license access databases when you do a risk assessment because it's supposed to be about you know, what the casual searcher can Could find, find right, on yeah. that executive online. Totally makes sense. Yep. So it's very tailored to just open source research and it's it's written from a risk perspective. So putting a, a background, typical background aside where you might be looking for dirt or you know, whatever the case may be, this is kind of like souped up background, but it is assessing each item from the sense of risk. Is there PII that can be lying in these public records? Is there a bad actor on social media or a threat that has been made? Is uh, Has an email address been breached and I can find somebody's passwords out there? Right. So everything kind of gets a new spin on it. It's quite a you know, specialty research that we do and uh, we actually work very diligently to remove as much of that information as possible or coach the corporate security and those executives on how they can increase their online privacy going forward. Right. And, you know, it's very exhaustive. It's a long process, but it really pays off recently. uh, One of our uh, CEOs that we did a risk assessment for was all over the news after COVID, um, you know, for um, confidentiality. I can't say much more about it, but just imagine, you know, CEOs all over the front page of the news, Uh, doing an interview on TV, reacting to what happened. And that was actually after we had done a risk assessment on him. We had done one 
uh, about two years back and we were keeping up with it ever since. So when this happened, we'd done this proactively. And by the time he hit the headlines for an issue that he couldn't have nearly foreseen two years ago, he was pretty much a ghost. Uh, There was actually, we were laughing, there was people online that were actually commenting I can't really find anything about him. Can, right. can you find out where he lives? And that was seriously so rewarding. Because <laughs> you go, right? all, of, all of the hard work that, yeah. that we put in and actually seeing the results of it and, and why we do this and why right. we encourage to, people to do it proactively. Sure. It's literally for moments like that where otherwise his information probably would have been doxxed online, uh, his residential address, family members, the works, uh, I've seen it happen countless times. So that was just a really fulfilling case for us. That's really, really cool. That's a really cool story. So how do folks get a hold of you if they were interested in, uh, you know, maybe having you guys get involved in one of their cases? Oh, you can definitely reach out to me directly by email. My email is Rachel, R-A-C-H-E-L, at hatheringtongroup.com. Uh, you can also reach out to our company through our website. You can find me on LinkedIn. Uh, we're pretty easy to track down. So. Yeah. You're not like your clients. <laughs> very, <laughs> exactly. Very, uh, very easy. So, hey, Rachel, this was awesome. Thank you so much. It was great hearing these tips that you had. I think they're really really helpful and sometimes you know it's just the things that you got to remember when you're uh when you're getting started um it's really important you know it's important not to lose sight of that stuff so thank you so much for coming on and you know i look forward to chatting with you again at some point thanks for doing what you're doing and and making yourself uh, available for everybody thank you for having me this was a great discussion right right and thanks everybody for tuning in and uh, we'll catch you guys next week on the next show take care thanks to rachel for sharing her perspective today on the podcast She gave us some great tips and some great stories. Make sure you check out OsmosisCon 2020. There's a link in the show notes. We also want to thank Crosstrack, ScopeNow, and the PI Institute for Education for sponsoring our show. Please, folks, check out their sites. Consider using their services. Make sure you use code PIP20 for additional savings. If you got a question or comment about the show, email Matt at Matthew S. at SatellitePI.com. Matthew S. at SatellitePI.com. You can also find him on LinkedIn, Instagram, and Facebook. We want your feedback to bring you the best shows possible. So chime in. It's It's finally finally here. here. The The Investigators-Toolbox.com is live. Next week, Matt dedicates the entire show to giving you the insides of the toolbox and why it's the future of networking, learning, and data resource management for our industry. Now have a great week, stay safe, and thanks for tuning into PI Perspectives. <laughs>